O God, bless us this day with your Holy Spirit. Let it pour out upon us and strengthen our faith as we read your word and study your ways. As the Holy Scriptures are read, let the words we speak ring true and our thoughts be devoted to you. Let all that we do be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, by your Holy Spirit and your Holy Church. And let God's people say, Amen. Our first reading is from Joshua, chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to act in accordance with all the law that my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to act in accordance with all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall be successful. I hereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Our next reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14-17. through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings, that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. So the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So part of the struggle of trying to prepare for this week's message, was figuring out exactly what I was going to cover. Because I could probably spend, you know, actually, I could probably spend the next year talking about exactly what the Bible is and what Scripture is and how we read it. But we don't quite have that much time this morning. So I figured I would zero in on a few key points. And one of them is that there are some peculiar things that don't appear in the Bible that we often think will. One of them is which books count as Scripture. The Bible doesn't actually give us a list, and the Bible itself doesn't actually set out all of the books that we include in our Bible today. And though we have it set as to which books we believe are scripture, that actually does change depending on exactly which church you are part of. That most Protestant churches have the same Bible we have, but there are more books that others include. And part of it's because the Bible itself never says, here's the books that you have to include. No, and that's because when we read about Scripture in the Bible, they're often not talking about Scripture the way that we understand it. In Joshua, when they talk about the law, they're talking about the law that's in the very intro five books of the Bible. And nothing more. Because everything else comes after. Everything else is not there. The same thing happens when we read about Paul, when Paul says, oh, all Scripture, except that when Paul says Scripture, Paul means the Old Testament, because there was no New Testament when Paul was writing. 
there were no gospel accounts that were considered to be holy scripture. What we have is a collection of writings. And that's the other thing that can be a little confusing at times. We look at the Bible now, and we look at it as one cohesive work from start to finish. This is the order the books are in. This is how you read them. This is how it's put together. This is how it's meant to be read so that one thing flows to the next. Except that's not how the Bible was written. The problem is that the Bible is written as different books from different authors. Some books with a multitude of authors. Some writings from people that aren't the people they claim to be. Sometimes we have names on a book simply so that there is a name. We don't have anything that says that Joshua was written by Joshua, though we often hold to the idea that Moses wrote the first five books of the Bible. Those books also include Moses' death and events that happens after he dies. So somebody else had to at least add a little bit to it. And the problem is, is that we get wrapped up in the idea that the Bible is one cohesive work from start to finish, and it's not how it was written. It was written by a whole lot of different people with different ideas and different perspectives. And they were written as their own story by themselves. If you pick up Isaiah and you read Isaiah, Isaiah was never written to land right in between two other books so there was a bridge between them. Kings wasn't written the same as Chronicles. And we get the biggest example of this in the Gospel accounts. We have four different Gospels that give us four different pictures of Jesus' ministry. And with that, we get four very different stories. And this brings us to one of the key points about how we read Scripture. Or at least how we should read it. We have a choice between reading it Literally and literarily. The difference being is that one, you read it as if this is a recorded history and everything in it is exactly how it's supposed to be and anything that deviates has to be smashed down and formed together so that it tells one story. The other is that we accept that each author was a unique person with a unique point of view and a unique story that they wanted to get across. We can see that clearly in the Gospels because if you try to mash up what Jesus said on his way to being crucified, we get very different accounts. We often like to try to fix them all together and say, well, he said all of it, it's just each author recorded each one differently. And then we try to make some sort of account that makes all of them fit together, even though it means shifting dates around, and it means shifting words around, and who says what, and when we do it, we strip each gospel of its unique message and its unique point of view, simply because it makes us more comfortable to have one account that starts and ends all the same way. And if you want a good example of how different accounts don't have to mesh together in order to all be true, I encourage all of you today, after service is over, to come together 
and describe what I said in today's sermon. The thing is that each one of you is going to hang on a different point because a different point may speak to you differently. And everything that you hear after that is going to be attached to that one point, and that's going to be the point that you have everything point to. And that's what happens with our gospel authors. Each one says, well, this is what I gained from this, and this is what I need you to understand about my experience. The same thing happens with the authors of Samuel, of Kings, of Chronicles. They tell different stories about the same events. We get different people named for killing Goliath. We get different reasons for the things David did. Sometimes we leave things out completely from David's history. Other times we add events so that one king may have more to do than they ever did in one of the other writings. And the thing is, is that if we read the Bible as literal history, we destroy so much of the meaning that it has. Because it wasn't written as a literal history. A history textbook is something modern and something new and something that the writers didn't have any interest in. There was no reason to write down all the things that happened in the history if there was no point to any of it. And that brings us to an important lesson about Scripture. As we heard in 2 Timothy, all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. And I love the way that the NRSV puts that. Because it helps us to understand something about Scripture. Scripture is inspired, but not dictated. See, if I were to dictate a letter to you, you would write down every word that I give you and the letter would be in my name and you would have to make sure you got everything I said down pat. And then you would know exactly what I was trying to say. On the other hand, if you hear my words today and you sit down to write someone a letter about what I was saying, you may not quote me exactly. You may actually enter with your own thoughts and your own understanding of what it was I was saying so that you could go into deeper meaning of my own words. And then there's how you interpreted what I was saying. If you interpret what I'm saying in a very specific way and that's how you write your letter, it may not reflect what my original message actually was and it may not reflect what my intention was for you either. But I inspired you to write. And that's what the Bible is. An inspired writing. Nowhere does it say that God dictated every letter of the scriptures that we have today. Nowhere does it say that God wrote it all down, handed it to us and said, here's your instruction manual, don't lose it. What we have instead is a collection of man's interactions with the divine. It's the story of humanity trying to understand God. And we don't always get it right. 
It's a story of what God gives us in the time that we need it. And not always a story about God's eternal law. We know this because of the fact that Jesus himself comes in and says, okay, I know you thought this was eternal law, but I need to correct you on some things. If this was dictated, there'd never be any need for correction. Because it would have been set up from the beginning, this is exactly it, know it, do it, live it. But here we have Jesus going, all right, I know that you heard you're supposed to take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And I know that's written in Scripture. But the thing is, is, you guys can live better than that. Too often we get hung up on trying to pound everything out into pegs that fit in specific holes. And we bend over backwards trying to bend Scripture into something that it isn't by trying to make it all fit together into one cohesive start-to-finish story that tells everything in a nice, neat package so that all the stories line up and there's no inconsistencies. And we start to get hung up and worry about how we have to word things and how we have to translate things so that it all meshes together. My simple plea is don't. There's no reason. If Mark doesn't say the same thing as John, that means Mark is telling us something that John isn't. John is telling us something that Mark isn't. If Chronicles tells us one story and Kings tells us another, then it means that each one had a different reason for writing. And the question we should have is not how can we make these two stories mesh, it's what can we learn from each one and why are they different? Because then we learn something about how we interact with God and how our ancestors interacted with God. And we learn something more about how we, ourselves, can interact with God today. Because the Bible isn't a dead textbook. It's not a history book that you pull up and you flip through and you go, oh, here we are. This is this is when man was created. This is when the flood was. Now I know the history. Now I can close it and be done. And I'll go read something else now. If it were a history textbook, it would have fallen by the wayside years ago. Because history only tells us about what was. The Bible, on the other hand, tells us what is. Because everything in it tells us something about our lives today. Because it's alive. It's a living, breathing word that inspires us in ways that we could never imagine. It instructs us in things that the original authors never could have comprehended. If you were to tell one of the original authors that it taught you how to be nice to people when you're in a cramped airplane ride, they would look at you like you were crazy. if you could even communicate with them, because the Bible we have that we read is a translation of a language that is still difficult to understand. If you ever want proof of that, sit down and look at five different translations of a difficult passage, and you will get five completely different meanings, and you'll understand that language sometimes is a little tricky. On top of that, we have zero original documents. We have 
no copies of the originals of any of the books that we have in our scriptures. Is that a problem? No. It's not a problem because we don't have to have the originals. Because what we have is the inspired meaning for us today. What we have is God still working through these texts to guide us and lead us in our lives today. And it means that God is always going to be opening our eyes to something new. And the question is whether we allow God to work through us and through Scripture. That this isn't just any text, it is our holy text because it is the word that guides us to a better relationship with God and a better relationship with each other. That teaches us how to live, how to grow. And it may mean that even our understanding of what it says changes as we get older and God makes us wiser. We may think it says one thing and have God open our eyes to something very different as we grow older and we may have it change more than once. Because that's what happens when something is alive and growing. Is that it grows with us. That as God lets us understand more, we can see deeper into things that we never understood. And Scripture gets us there. But we have to read it with fresh eyes every time we come to it. We have to read it with a willingness to be open to what God is saying on this very day. Because otherwise, we've killed it. We've struck it dead to be black words on a white page instead of letting it be a living, breathing thing that lives in our hearts. Because the Word is there to guide us and lead us. To tell us a story about God's love, mercy, and compassion. And to tell us how we've always tried to understand God the best we can. And that God has always met us and said, Alright, now you're ready for something new. That this collection of poetry and writings, this collection of events and stories, is a living, breathing word that is always changing and always growing. Because our God is always helping us to grow and see clearer. Let us read the word with fresh eyes and hear it with fresh ears. That with renewed hearts, we let it in and let it grow. That we may grow with God. And that we may grow with each other in his love and his mercy. In Jesus' name we pray.